Hey everybody, this is Dustin. Before we get started, I just want to do a quick little note. Uh, you know, as I mentioned on the last episode, I'm going to be absent from these podcasts, but and I can't always be absent too much. So I decided since I am the editor of these episodes as well as the website and everything that happens on the website, I decided to do a little throwback and we're going to be doing some uh, old school comic book editor's notes, but in podcast form. So throughout the podcast, you might be hearing me pop up and give some editor's notes just you know little tidbits here and there or corrections from my faithful co-hosts who are running the show while i'm away so sit back and enjoy and let's get on with the show the batman universe comic podcast hey this is scott snyder hi this is denny o'neill my name is neil adams and this is paul dini hi my name is dan DeDio. this is kevin conroy hey this is francis manipal Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode 157. And we've got one already. It's actually episode 158. As mentioned last month, Dustin will be out to the end of Convergence, and I am Ed, and I will be your host today, and I am joined by... This is Stella! <laughs> I mean, um, okay, fine. This is Donovan, back again. And I am Josh Paul Hawkins. And, uh, yeah, Stella's, uh, once upon a time boyfriend slash husband is, uh, now joining us, Donovan, taking her place. I guess she, she was busy, but luckily he could fill in. Uh, Josh is new to the comic cast. Those of you who spend time over on the Batman Universe main site know that Josh is one of our reviewers over there. And before we get kicked off on news, Josh, I just want to ask you a couple questions so that people get to know you a little bit better. Um, tell okay. us a little bit of your history with, with, uh, the character Batman. Well, uh, when I was younger, um, I was, uh, sick in the hospital. My mom brought me, uh, Nightfall books. And Nightfall was my favorite story, and it's quintessential yes. Batman reading, in my, in my opinion. It was Hush before Hush, Batman Eternal before Batman Eternal. And that, that's how I got sucked into the character. So, Good man. So what is your, your, your thoughts before we get started here? Would you consider yourself a, uh, Hey, John Paul Valley fan, since you came around with the comics around that time, are you still an adamant Bruce Wayne supporter? Um, well, I, I honestly thought Batman was dead in the story, so, like, I thought, <laughs> I thought that, you know, John Paul Valley was the way that we were going, and I, I'm sorry, I love the, the, the first John Paul Valley bat suit. Like, when I saw that, it was one of the craziest things I ever, I'd ever seen. And then when it was, uh, well, not, when I finally found out that Bruce was alive and they were coming back and whatnot, I was, I was like, come on, Bruce, just punch this guy in the mouth. He's a nutcase. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a good time back then, you know? Well, luckily you are dealing with the John Paul Valley of host for the comic cast since I am <laughs> number two behind Dustin. Um, with that, we're going to get into comic news. Um, really not a whole lot of comic news out there for everyone. As, as everyone knows, Convergence was timed with the DC Comics move across the country, so there won't be a lot of news. We've just got basically two things. The first thing is the eight-page previews for the new DC titles have been, been announced that will be running as backups in Convergence. And on May the week of May 6th, uh, the Bat titles that will be previewed will be Midnighter, 
which will be previewed in Convergence Nightwing Oracle number two. Red Hood Arsenal, which will be previewed in Convergence Titans number two. Um, Earth 2 Society, which will be previewed in Convergence Justice League number two. Uh, they also have released the Week 2 Solicits, which will feature the following previews released on the week of May the 13th. That'll be Batmite, which will be in Convergence Supergirl Matrix number 2. Gotham by Midnight, which will be in Convergence Catwoman number 2. And Justice League 3001, which will be in the backup of Convergence Justice League International number 2. Before we get to the other piece of news, guys, do you guys have any of the titles there that you are, are the new ones that are being... um? Uh, kind of shown here that you're going to be interested in the most. I'm I'm kind of interested in Batmite a bit, but I don't know if I'm going to like dive wholeheartedly into many of the other titles. I might just end up waiting for word of mouth on that one because I'm not as <laughs> would you imagine I'm not as big of a uh, DC reader. Although I have slowly been getting back in. I did read uh, I did read how the last arc of Batman and Robin ended, and I am obviously reading and reviewing Batgirl. So. I think I might just like wait until word of mouth and cautiously see how things turn out before I jump into it immediately. Yeah, you know, when it comes to this new era of DC that we're headed into, um, I'm kind of standoffish right now only because, I, one, I want to finish Convergence and I want to get through this. I'm, I'm very linear when I go through like what I want to read. So uh, I, I do want to read Batmite as well and – I think the one that really sticks out to me is I, I love Red Hood stuff, so that's the one that I'm definitely looking forward to because I just feel they haven't really nailed that character yet. I'm kind of looking forward to Earth 2 Society. I do like the Earth 2 title. I know it's not strictly Batman, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much with the um, the idea of Batmite. I don't know if I'll grab it, Donovan, like you will, but I think that's something that I'll probably grab and trade when it comes out. I do think it's it's nice to see this kind of expansion of the lack of, of all the stories having to be grim dark. So I am looking forward to that. I think that uh, the Earth 2 Society is going to be a really interesting book as well. It, it's strange that there's a new wildcat. So we'll see how that, we'll see how that one uh, shapes up. And then I guess the other thing is this was released on April 14th by Bleeding Cool, and we did post it up on the site. Um, that's another leak reported, reported there. Now, if you don't want to be spoiled for the end of Endgame, Please skip forward to the reviews part, um, but it has been released that, in fact, Jim Gordon will be the one inside the uh, Bat Chappie suit or... <laughs> I've heard that someone said before. <laughs> whatever they're going to call the Robo-Bat suit. Um, and just a quick thought, you know, this was something that, once again, we're going to have to give credit to, uh, to Dustin, who this was his pick on who was going to be inside the suit. Someday, someday, very soon here, someone is going to start to wonder... How I keep figuring these out. And it looks like this is going to be him. We still have no idea how he gets inside the suit, and assuming that will all be released in Endgame, what do you guys think about this? Um, I heard you guys talk about, um, like, talk about reports from Scott Snyder saying that he has an idea for Batman that he never thought he'd be able to do. So I guess this is it. <laughs> um, it's interesting because... The idea of Commissioner Gordon is always like, I mean, one of the, one of the ideas of Commissioner Gordon is that he's a guy that like tacitly allows Batman to operate in Gotham City, but he is a believer in the law. So him becoming like, you know, the vigilante replacement for Bat, for Bruce Wayne as Batman is definitely an intriguing idea. It's certainly something that I, that's never been done before, or I can't even imagine been thought of before. That's really not an idea that's been proposed. So it certainly is new and unique. I think that, um, 
it's not an idea that like immediately says I I need to read it necessarily. It's just like you know where is this gun going? So like again, I'll I'm interested. It's it, it doesn't really make me mad because at this point they're doing anything. But uh, it's certainly new, and I think that like uh, it's it should be applauded for its creativity at least, and uh, we shall see how it goes. You know, when it when it comes to this, I'm a little bit more naysayer than supporter. One, we we just it feels like we just got done with Batman, not or Bruce Wayne not being Batman for it to be first to be jumping into Bruce Wayne not being Batman again. Now, hopefully, it's. You know, explain that he's go he's gonna be too busy with Dark Side War. That's why he has to, uh, you know, take over or Gordon has to take over for Batman. But that's probably not gonna be the case. Now, Scott Snyder obviously has not done us wrong so far. There's been some issues with Eternal, but that's not completely him. And there's really been nothing wrong, in my opinion, with anything else that he's written. Now, with that being said. If you have something that you think could be your worst idea, maybe you shouldn't do it in canon. That's that's my thought. But <laughs> um, you know, he hasn't ste- he hasn't steered us wrong. I I kind of hope that maybe this is the last thing he does because I do want another a new writer. He's been on here for a long time now. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm I'm really, I'm willing to read Gordon in the suit. Why not? I mean, that is something that they haven't done before. I am totally in for this just for the, the one simple reason is that we all know that by December, Batman will be back in the suit, right? I mean, Gordon's not going to be Batman forever. This is a, a short-term story. He'll definitely be back by the time Superman Batman comes out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you're talking six, seven months. And since I know this isn't going to stay around forever, this is far less scary to me than the John Paul Valley thing. <laughs> Which is, this might be, this might be the most times John Paul Valley has been name checked on a comic cast. In, Hell yeah, as well he should be. In 10 years, but we're bringing it this week with, with, with Dustin gone. He can't tell us what to do. Or can I? The, the running joke is everybody has their, their John Paul Valley and this is this generation. <laughs> yeah, th- th- this could be. So I think that would be interesting for me is this, does we, do we go back to a total status quo when this is over with, which is, Gordon Bang being back on the police and back as commissioner and Batman back in the suit. And how long will that take to happen? But, uh, again, we don't really have any information on it other than it's probably happening or it is happening. Um, so, really, that's all the news this month. Off to reviews. Now, normally we go right into reviews, but I actually want to take a quick setup question for my two co-hosts this time, which is these aren't our normal gluttony of bat books. These are all the convergent specials that we're going to be covering on this episode. So my biggest question is, what were your expectations going into Convergence? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Ed. When they announced Convergence, it, it obviously kind of came up as, like, if you're a, if you've been reading Batman comics for a long time, like we all have, like, more plus, more than 10 years, then there's obviously the nostalgia con- conceit of, you know, I really like the stuff that's not going on now. Like, like, you know, years and years ago in the past, because the Convergence House is going back further and further, decade by decade. So I was excited, and I, and I wrote up, you know, when they first announced the list of titles, I wrote up, you know, what to, what we could expect. And the first list of titles were from pre-Flashpoint. So I was down for I know that some people were a lot more skeptical. I know Stella was really, really not digging the idea, because she didn't like having her heart taken hostage by people, fl- you know, fl- uh, flailing around the image of Stephanie Brown in her face again. But I was like, ah, it should be no problem. So I was really excited and, um, it's, it's, it's definitely sort of like, I kind of, I'm looking at it as sort of like my general swan song with DC. I thought I'll never read them again, but 
it's kind of like the last wisp of an acknowledgement of like, you know, their history, the acknowledgement of their past, because a lot of stuff that they've been doing recently hasn't really harkened back to like the stuff that they, that DC really is more known for, like the sort of like legacy of the 75 plus years of all these characters. So I, I was, was really down for the idea. I, I didn't really care how it t- turned out. Well, I, I did, but like, you know, I was just happy to see them again. And, you know, for the most part, I, uh, didn't regret buying the comics that I did for the most part. Um, for, for me, I, uh, just like, uh, everybody else, I, I was really excited to, uh, maybe see some of these old friends that we haven't seen in a few years, you know? And, uh, it, it's one of those things that everybody loves team ups. And, uh, it's, it's, it's very timely right now just to see everybody that we've ever read before team up was, I, we all thought it was going to be amazing, you know? So why wouldn't you want to read that? Fair enough. All right, so our first issue we're going to be reviewing this month is going to be Batman and Robin. This issue opens up with Penguin, Freeze, Killer Croc, Man Bat, and apparently a not-dead Black Mask trying to bully Ivy into overseeing food production (laughs) in Gotham while under the dome. Batman and Damien show up and begin to fight with the group. Batman has to catch Ivy from falling while Damien and Manbat fight it out in the sky. After dispatching Dr. Langstrom, Damien asks uh, what everyone is thinking. Um, why did they invite Black Mask? Seriously, why did this writer invite him? More on that later. Batman takes Freeze down and then gets the lower hand on Croc. Out of nowhere, Red Hood and Scarlet show up, uh, much to Damien's displeasure. Apparently, they have been in Gotham this whole time, and in a scene reminiscent of a a Schwarzenegger film, tells Batman and Scarlet he will be back. Batman and Damien then argue over Jason in the cave. A jealous Damien doesn't want to be upstaged by Jason Todd with his history. As Bruce and Alfred talk it out uh, about the former being a good father, the signal is then seen in the sky. Alfred lets Bruce know that Damien has run away. When Batman catches up with him, he finds Damien and Red Hood duking it out. Batman tells them to knock it off, and to Jason, he doesn't know why he's been hiding for a year, but his behavior is unacceptable. Telos then drops the dome, and Batman takes control of the situation and telling both Robin and Red Hood they need to stow their crap because they're going to need all hands on deck to take on the coming threats of not only the planet incarnate, but more immediately, the extremists. Okay, uh, well, I mean, basically for me, I felt the timing was really murky. I, you don't, you don't really quite know where this book is being, being, was taking place. And that was kind of distracting, just kind of being the DC historian that I am. I like things that line up. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I don't think with a lot of these we're given a definitive time frame. I think with most of them we're given more of a, this is the universe it's coming from. Um, I mean, you can look at a lot of cl- uh, clues here. You know, Red Hood has Scarlet with him, which was not a, you know, a huge part of, of, of Batman University, but Scarlet was only around for probably 18 months or a year or two years, if I remember correctly. So I think you can get a closer to a definitive time frame here. Um, but I think with all the Convergence titles, it's just more of revisiting the universe as opposed to revisiting a certain time. And at least that's kind of how I felt about it. I think it was sort of like a, it, they kind of read like, a lot of these kind of read like snapshots. Like this is, and I think that a lot of them were, were very, fairly accurate because I don't know how many, cause a lot of these writers, most of these writers, at least in these conversion titles, weren't really working on the comics when Flashpoint happened. Like, like Ron Mars was not doing Batman and Robin, obviously. That was like Judd Winnick and then before that, obviously Grant Morrison. I think that like, they're fairly accurate. Bruce and Damien weren't working together until after New 52. But, 
one thing I'll say is that, like, after Gates of Gotham, you got the sense that Bruce would become the Batman of Gotham again. And so it doesn't – it's the same reason why, like, you know, later on, like, spoilers for Nightwing Oracle, but Dick Rest <laughs> spoilers. Dick Rest is Nightwing again. <laughs> but, like, that – that doesn't that doesn't feel like a continuity or if you, again going back to Geese of Gotham, it's really inferred that that's kind of what was going to happen before DC did the New Fifty Two. So, and obviously you have Jason Todd and Scarlet back, and they they actually went up, Dick and Damien went up against Jason Todd a second time in the title. So, it doesn't feel it, it, it feels familiar at least in this issue it specifically does. And I think that like um uh I, I might I don't want to get too much into it, but Damien's consternation with Jason does feel appropriate since Jason. Shot him in the back in the Morrison run. So, uh, you see, yeah. I kind of got the idea that maybe that hadn't happened yet. Maybe this is like an alternate history. Like maybe, uh, this is before Batman RIP at all. And, uh, they hadn't met Jason Todd or Scarlet yet. What made you think that? This seems like a first meeting to me between them. I wouldn't say that because like Damien wasn't even Robin before RIP. It kind of kind of follows. I mean, you have the uh, the post, you have the Morrison Batmobile. You know, Morrison created Scarlet, so like a lot of it feels. I might mean, think Jason's wearing a different costume, but like um, a lot of it feels very uh, like it, it's following the continuity of that, where all that is afterwards. I think there there is a little bit of a unfamiliarity with J- Damien and Jason, which there kind of shouldn't be. But I think that's just sort of like you know awkwardness because they were Jason was a, a straight up bad guy the last time they fought each other, and. Personally, what I kind of like about this issue is that, like, I don't know, and I wrote this in my article, I don't know if people remember, but, like, Batman and Jason really didn't interact after Jason definitely came back. I mean, there was that Under the Hood storyline, and then Jason disappeared, and then Countdown happened, and then, like, Batman R.I.P. happened where he was gone, and then Jason came back, and then after... Batman, Bruce Wayne came back, there was a brief meeting in Arkham Asylum, but they didn't really interact at all, so I like the fact that, like, well, in the New 52, um, Scott Lobdell had them sort of like, you know, reconcile in the pages of Red Hood, The Outlaws. This one doesn't presume that you know, people have either read that or it's the same continuity. So they're treating it as though this is still a Batman and Jason that have not really come to terms with Jason being back, you know, around, which I, I appreciate because that's the logical way to kind of go with the characters. But I thought that it was following the continuity, I think. Well, I, I agree. Like, this is definitely an opportunity to, uh, you know, shore up that storyline between Bruce and, and Jason Reed, New 52, because we didn't get uh, a very good confrontation with them. I mean, it's kind of been shored up New 52, but not not in this version. And uh, I, I was definitely looking forward to that as well. Um, you, the, the one thing that I really felt like we missed here, and I'd be curious to see what you guys think about this, is since... For me, one of the biggest things Convergence was going to allow us to do is was to go back and see things from the past that we haven't saw. I was actually very much hoping that this Batman and Robin was going to be Dick Grayson as Batman. Um, very much. Uh, I I really wanted uh, Dick Grayson to be uh, in, in that suit because it just felt that that was the era that, you know, was, yeah. that was the definitive part of the era that we were going back to. I, I I would agree because I, I mean around this era it was very much a Dick and Damian team that a lot of people liked. I think that I, I'm not disagreeing with you know saying that you would want that, but I think that like uh, in addition to acting as though the timeline has continued from the post-crisis DC comic books, where like, I, I've already said that you know it made sense that Bruce Wayne become the Batman of Gotham again. The Nightwing Oracle one is a 
that to me feels like a lot of things that people miss from the old continuity, like the romance between Dick and Babs, which is kind of run away from in the New 52. And I think that that was something that like the, the uh, that editorial thought people might like to read and get back to and harken back to and have to see develop more so than Dick and Damien. So I think that kind of took precedence over the Dick and Damien team up. But I, I, I take your point that like that is a lot more nostalgic of a thing to have Dick and Damien partner up. But I think this, I think this, I think that like the Dick and Babs rom- romance sort of was seen as like a more valuable thing for fans to get into than uh, the Dick and Damien team up. And I, I promised more later on this, but when it comes to the Black Mask, he was obviously killed by Catwoman. That's a great uh, point. I forgot so, about that entirely. <laughs> like he, he was shot in the head by Catwoman, and we no, he's dead. He's dead. We don't know which black mask this is because obviously Dr. Jeremiah Arkham was able to take the mask off and whatnot as opposed to it for being burned onto uh, Roman Sionis' face. But I, I don't know how an editor missed that. That's just my idea. Do they call him Roman or, or it could be Arkham? They don't even, they don't even call him black mask. <laughs> no, they, well, they say black mask, don't they? Yeah, they say, uh, We've decided a new arrangement would be more or more beneficial, dear Ivy. I assume you know everyone. Black Mask, Man Bat, Mr. Freeze, of course. Oh, so okay. I'm checking. Well, let's put it like this, gentlemen. If the worst cock-up they have in convergence of continuity is forgetting Black Mask was shot, we're going to be all right. Fair <laughs> <Better> enough. <laughs> Knock on wood. Everybody gets one, right? right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, I could care. I mean, like, I could really care less as to, like... Which bug mask it is? That's, that is the least. Because yeah, I think I think that all you need really, Don, is, is you, and you know this the way we we look at comic books. The way I think a lot of people do is that all you need is an out, and their out is going. Well, it's Jeremiah Arkham. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily contradict that. I mean, if you want to get really, really, really anal and nitpicky with it, Poison Ivy's kind of drawn like she was in the nineties, as opposed to like she was around the time because her skin is Caucasian and not green. But I liked that design anyway, so I truly don't care. <laughs> but you like know, on on. Uh... Poison Ivy here for a second. In during the No Man's Land, I, I feel like the uh, the writer kind of took a little bit of that uh, when it comes to her running Robinson Park because that's what she did during the No Man's Land as well. But it was kind of strange for me um, when it came to you know her not having any powers. Yes, she was able to run the food distribution in the year before. I know that she's really good with plants and whatnot, but it seemed to me. Her character is more defined on, you know, she's so good with them because she has the powers that she has. Well, her powers, we've, we've talked about this time in Memorial before, or at least I have, with, uh, and Josh, Josh Petronius has as well. Her powers weren't always like, you know, she's like a mutant plant woman. She used to just basically kiss people and hypnotize them, and then she really liked plants as a gimmick. It wasn't always like, you know, she had the powers to grow plants. So that's sort of like, I guess, if her powers have really gone away, that doesn't make her completely useless in terms of like dealing with certain things so i think that that's not really uh i mean i, I, t- I take your point but i think that like th- it doesn't negate the the effectiveness of the character fair enough and, and i think too it, it goes back to is this pre this is a, this is the premium 52 you know so she had more, more more background there unlike in in new 52 where she was working at wayne enterprises like every villain was at some point so i was okay and, uh, yeah every villain's worked at wayne enterprises now though every villain so I guess let's all give us our rating. Uh, Don, start off with you. I'll give this a three point five out of five. Is you guys still do the we out still, of five? Better. We still do out of, <laughs> out of five. Yes. Really? I don't know why I'm asking. I, I still listen to the show. Uh, I'll give this a three point five out of five. Better. I thought it was. It was. I was impressed by how uh, the general like through line of the continuity 
felt like there was legitimate attention paid. I think that like uh, Dennis Cowan is uh, never my favorite artist. I mean, even though you kill static, which is one of my favorite characters, I always don't really care for his art, but I think that like his art actually looked pretty decent here. And I think that like um, the character conflict between Batman and Damien and Jason, that felt right. So, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a great story, but I thought this was a very, this is exactly what I wanted to see in terms of like, you know, the characters coming back. It's more than we got from other comics. So I, I, I actually did like this comic. I'll give it a 3.5 of Fighter Banner Rings. Um, I really liked it too. I mean, it was, like I said, it's, it's awesome to go back and, you know, hang out with some of these old friends of ours. And, uh, you know, even though we would have, uh, maybe done a little things, uh, a few things differently if we were writing the book, the writer that did write it was able to fit a surprising amount of characters into a pretty concise story. Um, the only thing is, uh, we don't really know who these extremists are, so the next issue is going to be interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, with that being said, I give it myself a 2.5 out of 5 batterings. Um, I'm going to give it 3.5 out of 5 batterings. Uh, my only misstep here was was the before-mentioned non-inclusion of Dick Grayson, who I really would have liked to see back in the uniform. Um, but I'll give it 3.5. Uh, Ryan Blair reviewed it for the website. Uh, he gave it... Three and a half out of five batarangs, so that will give Convergence, Batman and Robin number one, three and a half out of five batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Shadow of the Bat. Okay, uh, Convergence, Shadow of the Batman, Shadow of the Bat number one. Before I get into the plot, I actually would think it might behoove people to, like, know, because, I mean, as much as we love Jean-Paul Valley, and we do because he's awesome, I will not blame Batman readers now who have no idea who this character was from 20 years ago. So I want to kind of like skip to the end and kind of briefly, very briefly go over who Jean-Paul Valley is just in case people were lost and get that out of the way. It won't take a minute. But um, basically, Jean-Paul Valley is a character that was created by uh, whoever in the 90s where like uh, he is trained by a mysterious order called the Order of St. Dumas, which are sort of like a medieval era of vigilantes. And he's kind of like mind programmed to be an avenging angel character called Azrael. Basically, Batman found him and kind of brought him to the fold of the the Batcave. And around the time, like right after that is when um, a little unknown villain that no one really knows called Bane showed up. And so, you know, Bane shows up one day and says, I'm going to break Batman's back. And he does so. And as a result, uh, Batman, once he woke up, uh, said, I know I'm going to make John Paul the next Batman to operate until I get better, if I get better from being paralyzed. So that happens, and you have uh, Jean-Paul and, and Tim Drake run out as Batman and Robin, and right away, Jean-Paul was proven to be very violent as Batman and basically not operate how Bruce Wayne did. He was extremely violent. He was extremely brutal. He changed the costume eventually to beat Bane on his own terms, beat the crap out of him. And it got to the point now where he was out of control. He kicked Robin out of the Batcave, and um, he essentially led to the death of two people uh, throughout the storyline, Nightfall and Night, and Night Quest. So when Bruce went in Batman again, he fought. To, the first thing he had to do was take um, take Azrael down, or as he was affectionately known as Azbats, and he did so. And eventually, John Paul, because like you know, he kind of let him go. John Paul became Azrael and fought crime elsewhere. But uh, as this storyline sets up, John Paul still—I guess he's in Metropolis—and he's still kind of doing his own thing. And for some reason, he still has his uh, Azbats costume. But that's neither here nor there. So that kind of like <laughs> that kind of sets up this idea that John Paul was. One of Bruce Wayne's, he's like one of Bruce Wayne's successors, and that was that was Batman 
during the middle and end part of the Nightfall storyline, which introduced Bane and kind of introduced Jean-Paul Valley. So if you, if, if you have any other questions, either, either write into Batman Universe or, uh, just basically go on Wikipedia. But it's, it's, it's a very fun time. And again, Nightfall is my favorite Batman crossover. So that brings us to The Dark Side of the Street, written by Larry Hama, illustrated by Philip Tan, with uh, inks by Jason Paz and Rob Hunter, colored by Elmer Santos, lettered by Steve Wands, and edited by Mike Manley and Dick Giordano. And Marie Javins. So this issue, I'm not going to take, spend too much time on it. It's essentially takes place in Metropolis under the dome where, uh, Tobias Whale, who is a old school DC comics, uh, crime boss supervillain who looks quite groovy. He was a black lightning villain. He comes across Bruce Wayne and assumes that Bruce basically tries to put on airs that he wants to join his criminal organization so he can keep Kaz on him because he's Batman, you see. And, um, although Whale is a bit suspicious, he, uh, Six Bruce on his newest muscle, a guy called Johnny Valley, <laughs> to uh, make sure that he's telling the truth. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So uh, while Tobias, you know, leaves and assumes everything's going to plan, Bruce and this Johnny Valley character, who we don't or basically he's Jean Paul in disguise, basically discuss that they, they two, they both had the idea to uh, infiltrate Wales' organization, and Jean Paul mentions that he was brought there uh, through. Parallax's return, which is a bit confusing before I get to that, because I, I didn't read that comic. But um, they essentially team up to stop Tobias Whale. Now, Tobias Whale's uh, scheme is to infiltrate the uh, the production of food, because food rations are, are running out, because uh, Gotham and you know the whole plan's been, and Metropolis as well, have been under the dome. So, as I mentioned before, Jean-Paul gets together his uh, Night Quest Batman costume, uh, and um, he and Batman to sort of team up to stop, uh, Whale getting, uh, control of the food trucks that are coming into Metropolis. And the, the second half of the issue is a big fight. Batman doesn't want Jean-Paul to kill, uh, and Jean-Paul doesn't want to listen to what Batman has to say. And while they are about to take down Tobias Whale, the character known as Telos basically, uh, says, Hey everybody, I'm going to have sick you heroes against other characters from different realities and basically fight for the right to control your life, control your cities and you must, uh, fight or else your cities are doomed. And that eventually leaves, leaves the issue on the revelation that a character called, tell me out here, a character called the Jester and Jester and Pilgrim. Jester and Pilgrim are basically watching the, uh, this is very 90s. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they're from the Wildstorm Wetworks crew. <laughs> oh, thank God that you know that, because I didn't. <laughs> so those guys show up and, and are essentially watching over the, uh, watching over the events. And that is essentially the uh, issue. First off, just a very basic question to start things off. We have the return of Jean-Paul Valley. We have not seen him since his comic ended at issue 100. I think it was around 2003. I know it was around the Actually, time. Actually, we saw him as a Black Lantern. What? We did? Yeah, he was, he was a Black. He was a Black Lantern. I forgot about. I, I, I had that series. Damn, I well, didn't know. We haven't seen him alive since. Oh. I, thought, I, 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 never, I never knew that he was confirmed to be killed. Huh, I need to reread that. Well, anyway. It wasn't until we saw him as a Black Lantern. <laughs> Damn. Well, okay. Okay, b- besides, besides Black Bacchus Knight, what would you, what did you guys think about just seeing Asbats again? And, uh, I guess we'll start off with that and go with then to Josh, Josh Ball. You know, it's funny, Don, because you mentioned the fact that maybe he shouldn't be in that costume, to put it 
in, in a no, costume. No, he, sh- he, sh- he shouldn't be. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> he shouldn't be in that costume, but this is one of those sins I'm willing to forgive because I really do like the costume. I'm starting to see a trend of my co-hosts forgiving things that should not have happened. Hmm. Um, and oh, it's yes. fun to see it on page. It should it doesn't make any sense. No, not really. But um, it's fun to see it there. This is a character that is is again one of the reasons why I think we we did convergence or, or why DC did convergence. I should say. Um, is he my favorite character? No. Was he involved in some memorable stories? Yes. Um, he's a character that was never introduced in the New Fifty Two, and I don't think he's going to get introduced in the. I'm sorry, not the New Fifty Two. It is now officially known as the Post Flashpoint Universe, right? Really? Um, yeah, the, the new fifty two is dead. It, the new fifty two no longer exists. The imprint is dead, so it's now the post flash. Yeah, well, you know, after five years, it's no longer new. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's the post flashpoint universe, which I'm still not sure what abbreviation we're going to come up with that. P bloody hell, PFU or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, it's all certainly from like the nineties verse. So <laughs> yeah. um, now I don't think I need John Paul Valley in the new fifty two if they don't have anything to do with him. Uh, if they're just introducing for the fun of it. So your, your question about, am I glad to see him here? What do I think about seeing him here? This is why I like Convergence. I wouldn't want John Paul Valley come striding into Scott Snyder's Batman, but I am perfectly fine and very much enjoy seeing him in this title. Excellent. Uh, Josh Paul? For me, you know, I thought we were going to get a different story. It, was, it seemed like a different story as it was advertised than what we got to me. Um, I thought Telos was pulling characters out of time and space so we were going to get uh you know healed bruce wayne and maybe a night quest uh era well I mean, we shouldn't say era because this is the era but at the time like he maybe he just bought bane and he was still in his night quest gear but instead what we got was this which honestly it kind of rang a little hollow to me because one jean paul valley was a very broken man after he took that uh, suit off in the cave. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, to say that, you know, he decided to be a hero again because of zero hour, you know, it doesn't really ring true to me. <laughs> and I know that, I know that that's a, a nitpick, but I mean, no, no, no. I, it, it doesn't really ring true to me. It, it doesn't really, uh, you know, say very much to the continuity, in my opinion. And I, I know that that's something that I'm really harping on with these issues. Harping on continuity? Hmm. Seems like he's taking my place. It's important to me, and um, when it comes to him wearing the suit, I love seeing this suit drawn. Uh, I think Joe Quesada said that it was one of the hardest things that he had to draw day in and day out during oh, yeah. that era. So I don't, uh, I don't envy the the artist on that, but it's fun to see, and uh, just you know, along with what I said, I'm sorry. He did wear the suit again after uh, Nightfall and Night Quest and Night's End, obviously, in in very, very extreme uh, circumstances. And we can say that Convergence is probably one of those. Okay, cool. No, I, I, I think I agree with both of you guys that, like, uh, I, don't, I don't think that holding the continuity of the fire is exactly like, – like, pointing it out isn't wrong. It just depends on, you know, how much of that affects your, your enjoyment of the story. I mean – I really like seeing him again because he is such a relic. He was, I mean, he was, he was, he was in the storylines of the nineties and that's when someone was in No Man's Land. We, we have not seen this guy. Like by Hush, he was gone. We have not yeah. seen this guy. So I don't, and I don't think he needs to come back necessarily because he, 
even when he was around, he wasn't really like he didn't interact with the Batman family that much. Only during the storylines, there wasn't really a you know a family element to him like there was with Dick and Tim and yeah. and the others. So I, I don't th- I, I won't I'm not crying that he's not around necessarily. I mean, he had a hundred issue title. He had a strong run, you know. Yeah. Um. So, but at the same time. It's, it's like seeing an old friend again. Hey, John Paul. Hey, man, how you doing? Um, it doesn't make any sense that he has this costume because if you remember, like the way Nyson ended, he took, he takes off the costume and he has, he has, he has different Azrael costumes later on. I mean, he has, yeah. even during Zero Hour, he did he, this. Well, first of all, like by the time Nyson ended, his mask was completely different. It was a lot more of a robot helmet than a mask. Yeah. So his like. His entire this, suit was different. He kept changing it throughout the it, And it was red. Like, I mean. Yeah. Again, again, well, that's again. because it got set on fire on the bridge. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like this is a costume that he fought Bane in. This is not the costume that he took off when he when he stopped wearing the costume. So, True. but again, I really don't care. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> um, I will say that I think his voice is de- definitely a bit different than I remember it being. At least he's a bit more. I don't want to say jokey, but. He's a bit more. He liked to talk. Like I remember when he fought Bane. Bane was like, "This is my city," and he was like, "Prepare to be mugged." You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very quick. Well, I, I, I'll give. I'll give. That. I think that he was, a, in my opinion, in my reading, he was a bit more uh, talkative in this one. Like he was, he was routinely like, like talking to the villains than he was. Although it might be his mindset is different. So again, I don't. I, I really don't care. It seemed a little juvenile, and. Uh, more so than what he used to talk like. And um, with that being said, I there is so much exposition in this book, especially coming from him. I wish that maybe some of those uh, word balloons were t- taken up by thought balloons instead and where we get a little background on where these characters are. You know, they're just kind of just thrown together. Well, Larry Hammer just pumped this with, like, dialogue steroids because there's that scene where, like, the – like Nika or whatever is like driving the truck and she won't shut up. Like, yeah, I'll there, there's, about not, there's not one panel that at least doesn't have people in it that there's not someone talking. <laughs> so, like, like, I love, I, I, before I get to the next point, I love when she's trying to run down Batman, like, you know, like, you know, what's in front of me? A guy in a cape? I'll run over anybody. Oh, it's Batman. I don't care if it's Batman. I'm still going to run him over. Mwaha. It's like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> like, stop talking. But, um, no, I, I, I like, I mean, it, it's, it's a bit, I'm gonna say it's wrong, but it's a bit confused in bringing back Jean Paul, but it's still Jean Paul, and I, and I very yeah. much enjoy his appearance here. But overall, what, what, okay, what, what do we think about, like, the story, like, you know, him teaming up with Bruce in this way, uh, at Batman, and we've actually never seen these two, like, Batman team, team up in this manner before, and them fighting, like, you know, Tobias Whale, who was, like, kind of a goofy villain. But, like, what do we generally think about, like, the team up in the story as a whole? You know, I think think it's fine. Um, one thing I, I think that a lot of these stories, I, I, suffer isn't the word I'm looking for, but that a lot of the convergent stories kind of had in common was they all kind of had to get to the same place by the end of the story, which is the introduction of the concept that, you know, someone is going to have to go and fight for the city. So I think that the the writers were probably very limited in, in, bo- in page count on telling a story. Um, this is the assumption that the second issues of the most of these are going to be some kind of battle between X and Y. Um, so I think that the fact that we had low page count, that we had two characters in, in John Paul Valley and Bruce Wayne, both that we really wanted to see some focus on. And I guess, I think, Don, I think you're right. I think the biggest focus of this was the fact of seeing them, those two work together. 
which is something that I don't really recall them seeing like this in the past, and I'm extremely doubtful we'll ever see in the future. Um, so I think it, looking at the page count they had and, and, and dealing with what they had to deal with, I, I think that the story was was cohesive enough to be enjoyable, and I really quite liked it. Yeah. Cool. You know, for for me, <clears throat> I'm going to just do some bullet points here. One. I wish that they would have been able to get an artist from the era that this book was in, uh, to, to draw it because back then, you know, they were still drawing on the, uh, old school paper. And so if you go back and you read Nightfall, it looks like an old school comic book to me. And, uh, that kind of threw off the story for me. I mean, yes, we, we, we got these characters and that's awesome. I'm happy that this book came out, but. I think that would have just been a nice touch. Uh, I almost feel like the writer may not have liked Nightfall at all because of the startling amount of jokes that he has John Paul Valley uh, make to, to Bruce about his back. You know, they're standing on that building. Which makes no sense, though, honestly. And it, standing on that building, you know, in, in Night's End, here comes the static. It's gonna screw with the recording. Uh, Bruce literally like spelunked off a building in order to uh, make sure that he was ready to take Jean Paul Valley on in the end of Night's End. Yep. And he won't even jump off at like uh, what is it like maybe a two story building here. So that doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, other than that. Um, you know, I, I thought Jean Paul Valley was, he was spot on. You know, his killing of the, the person that, you know, bit the dust in this issue, spoilers. I, I don't, you know, I thought maybe it was a little further than even Jean Paul Valley had ever gone. I mean, sure, he hurt a lot of people. He put a lot of people in senseless danger. But I don't think that he would have thrown someone out of a cab and have them got run over by a car in, in, in nightfall. But that, that's just me. Um, other than that, you know, I'm, it, it, uh, you know, was a great book. I mean, it, it, it did the job for me. Um, we were hitting that point now. I think that like, yeah, he wasn't ever like a Punisher murder kind of guy. I think near the end of Night's End, he got really unhinged to where I don't think that would have been alien to him. But again, his mindset is different here. So what do you say about these, some of these books that, that the writers are clearly like, like, like just kind of shooting in the dark as like trying to nail down the, the voice in the era and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so like uh, there's a lot of talk about like you know how you know oh john paul will cross the line that batman won't cross and that's not like i mean this is after night's end so that's not exactly the way that he goes okay in fairness i didn't read Azrael, so i don't exactly remember how he operated but i do know that like batman and him were cool so i, can, I, I, don't know. I can give you a little insight on that a- after you know nightfall uh, and night, specifically Night's End. It's, let's just refer to it as Nightfall from now on. But after Nightfall, uh, he basically was still crazy. He, he, he uh, was very, uh, you know, plagued by that system that he was in still. But he was always able to catch himself. Like he, he fought Bane after Nightfall again as Azrael, and he had a chance to kill Bane. And he didn't kill him. He specifically, because he said that that's not what Batman would do. That's not what Batman would want. So he, even though he was still crazy, like Bruce actually gave him money, gave him, uh, you know, the means to go find himself, and even set him up in uh, like a base, I think, a hundred uh, miles outside of Gotham and whatnot. So 
it was nice of- definitely not as cantankerous as this. Okay, well, this is completely wrong. <laughs> Whoops. Well, I mean, I, I mean, like going to the to like the like the situation. They keep on going, oh, Bruce, your back is healed, your back is healed, your back is healed. Like, he didn't, Batman just didn't, like, regrow his back after it was snapped in twain. <laughs> like, like it, again, it, this is a very specific thing. His back was specifically healed by Chandra Kinsolving. Right. Like, it, it, there was no, like, you know, worry about him hurting his back again. It, it was just, it was just him getting back into shape. There's no, like, don't yeah. mess your back up. So that, that's, I mean, that, that's Larry Hammond shooting in the darkness of what the storyline would have been around that time. And because it is so, it, it is such a such an attempt without actually doing the work and reading it. I don't really mind it because it's it's, it's kind of an inconsequential thing, you know. So it's, it's it's it is what it is. It is whatever. It also feels like a common theme in these two shot stories that are coming out for conversions. It is we're going to take some top tier villains and heroes and pit them against the most beyond obscure characters that we've ever seen. And I don't necessarily think that that's what a whole lot of people wanted when it came to Converge's science, but it's the ones we got. <laughs> well, I, I think that any time you have a something put together, and Don knows how I like to drone on about this sometimes, but I think the reality you have to look at is sales. Ah, sales. One of my favorite topics, seriously, but probably one of the listeners' least favorite topics. I mean, these things are done to increase sales. That's why they're done, and there's nothing inherently evil about that. I mean, DC Comics is a publishing company, you know? And I I think that the best way to get your sales numbers up is, let's face it, if you put Batman and Azrael and, and, you know, every every villain in the book that you can put into it, I'm surprised the Joker's not in a book, to be honest with you, um then I think that's what sells. And unfortunately, I think that we all know that they use sales as, as motivation sometimes, unfortunately, for the choices and uh, and the narratives they give us. But, um, okay, let's wrap this one up, guys. Uh, what do you rate it? I, I, will say, I will say real quick, I really like the art. I think Philip Tan is a terrific artist, and I was really happy to see him on this book. He did a great job. So I think because of, like, like, like the feels and uh, the artwork, and I liked how Batman, was, Batman Bruce Wayne was written. I'll give it a four out of five. Um, for me, I, I like the book, uh, you know, talking to you guys, I think I like it even a little bit more than what I reviewed it on the website. When it comes to it, I, like I said, I kind of wish that they would have been able to get one of those era artists, but the, the art was good. I'm not going to lie to you. When it comes to the story and the explanation, uh, it's a, it's a mixed bag, but, uh, I think I'll give it, you know, I'll, I'll give it an upgrade of my original, uh, review and I'll give it a three out of five. And I will give this three and a half out of five batarangs. Um, the, the book was also reviewed for the, reviewed for the website by Josh Paul, where he gave it two out of five batarangs. So indeed we did change his mind, Donovan. So our work here is done. And <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> that means that we will give, uh, Convergence Shadow of the Bat number one a total of three and a half out of five batarangs. That is going to be all of our in-depth reviews. So now we're going to move on to the DC Comics Spotlight. Ed, Ed, come on, it's the TBU Spotlight. So our, our Spotlight books, the num- the first Spotlight we have is actually the Convergence number 1 title, which was reviewed on the website by Josh Paul as well, who gave it 2.5 out of 5. Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, and let's cover Convergence number 1 and Convergence number 2 together here. What Since you reviewed it for the site, what do you, what do you kind of feel of the main Convergence title right now? You know, I, I kind of feel like there are a lot of people who may not have read Earth 2 and Earth 2 World's End, only because it's not the society that they know. And the, the, those are the main characters of Convergence right now. And I don't think that that's what a whole lot of people were in Convergence, uh, 
you know, for in the first place. So you're having to follow these, you know, characters, especially ones that you don't even really know. They're not, Bruce Wayne is not Batman. Clark Kent is not Superman. There's no Wonder Woman, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, it, it's taken a little time to find its feet. I think Convergence number three will finally figure something out for it. But, you know, not only did Convergence number one, you know, totally just reiterate what Convergence number zero, you know, came out with, but Convergence number two, aside from, you know, a potential bat meeting, you know, I'm going to say potential because we didn't really even get it. it. You know, it's, it was a story where now, you know, the heroes are looking for an underground city that may be the key to, you know, defeating Telos. And, you know, you know, we, we wanted to see in this book, a whole bunch of team ups. We wanted to see all the, the cities, um, you know, come together and, and fight this God. And we haven't got that yet. And I think that that might be a little disappointing for people. Yeah. I can, I certainly identify with some of that as, as someone who got a little behind in my weekly comic books with Earth 2, Earth 2 Worlds in. Um, I, I felt even a little bit lost uh, myself on this. I did like the second issue a lot better than the first. Uh, there was some fun sing- scenes with the Flashpoint Thomas Wayne Batman or the Earth 2 Thomas Wayne Batman as it was in this one. Um, and with, with Bruce. So I, I think that the main title has nowhere to go but up. Um, I really thought that we were going to get, when, when I first read the, or saw the, the cover for this, I thought it was going to be Flashpoint Thomas Wayne meeting, uh, Batman Incorporated Batman, not Earth 2. Uh, that was my fault because I obviously at that point I didn't read this, the, the, uh, the synopsis for it, but we didn't get that meeting, you know, we wanted to see what they were going to say, and instead they relied on the trope of having everything happen off panel, and I feel that that's something that Jurgens really likes to do, because, you know, we're... A little bit of a mix-up there, Jurgens does like to do things off panel, but he didn't actually write Convergence, it was actually writer Jeff King. One, the ending to Earth 2 World's End is actually in Convergence number two. So that's really frustrating for anybody who read that weekly. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of things that happen off screen happen in this book. And hopefully, you know, that meeting between Thomas and, uh, you know, Bruce comes down to the line to be something that maybe something key happened in and we're clued in on it. I agree. Uh, the next title we got is Convergence Nightmare Oracle number one reviewed by Sella from Bad Girl to Oracle. She gave it four stars, which is pretty high phrase. Um, Donovan, did you did you get to read this title? I did get to read this title. What, um, what did you think about it? Well, first of all, I want to say that like her biggest problem was about that Starfire was in it. <laughs> Shows how hideously biased she is. She really is. <laughs> um, I I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was okay. I did I didn't. Um, I have more problems with, that, with um, one other book, but like I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm not, as everyone who has listened in the past few years might remember, I'm not the biggest fan of Gail Simone, to put it least, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't let that, like, you know, automatically make me dislike the book. I thought the book was okay. I think the artwork was pretty good. I do like seeing Dick and Babs together. I do like that relationship. Um, I think that, because I know that, like, Simone's a, a shipper just as well as Stella is, it was, it got a little insipid yes. <laughs> when, like, when Dick just said, like, calls her, like, you know, like, he calls her, like, like true love. That's something, that, 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 like, is, like, out of fan fiction for me. Like, I'm sorry, that, like, no one does that in real life. But that, that doesn't make me dislike the romance. It just, it's just, like, kind of like, okay. But, 
I do like seeing them together. I do like him proposing her again. And she says, no, spoilers. Um, I, th- I thought it was okay. I think the Hawkman, Hawkwoman stuff was a little confusing for me. Personally, I, I wasn't as invested. So I probably could have paid more attention, but I, d- I didn't want to. Um, and I think that like, uh, Simone has a tendency to just, just like, like assign angst to Barbara, which I think is just always kind of like, it always, it doesn't feel as earnest or natural as it tends with, with other writers. So like, um, so when she says, oh, I'm not going to fight them, Nightwing, and then she says, because I started fighting them 10 minutes ago, I thought that was a little, I thought that was a, a lot cheesy. But overall, I still thought that the book was okay. Um, do you care about ratings or we're just going to talk about them? Give your rating if you want to, I don't care. Dustin's out here to give her one. Haha, <laughs> take that, Dustin. <laughs> 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 I don't think so. And and Don, I'm in your boat. As much as I like some elements of the story, the hawk man, hawk girl thing was totally out of left field. And uh, it did seem to be that the true love, he's with Starfire, then he's with, I just, I don't know, kind of lost me. Um, I can certainly see why Stella would have liked it. Though. Don't get me wrong. Um, oh, yeah. Next is, this is one you actually reviewed for the website, Don, Batgirl number one. Tell us a little bit about what, what uh, you thought about that. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> Again, I, I, I'm not, this is, this is funny that we're talking about convergence titles and talking back to like the back history of Batman because I have to keep on referencing when I was on this show on a more regular basis. Uh, but even still, like, you know, I wasn't on there that long. This one covers, uh, this one's basically Stephanie Brown's book. It has her best buddies, Tim and Cassandra, Red Robin and Black Bat to kind of flank her. But the crux of this is pretty much Stephanie is back in the role as Batgirl after a year of not being Batgirl because she didn't think that she was really good enough or some crap. And um, uh, she's constantly questioning herself. And when Telos says, okay, Batgirl is the one that's going to be fighting for the sake of everybody, uh, everyone's like, you know, why, why didn't they call Black Bat? And while she's kind of sucked into, like, you know, the DC version of Battleworld, take a shot because it's Marvel. No Stella on the podcast and we still had a Marvel reference. No wonder Stella asked Don to substitute for her. Uh, this is, this is kind of like going back and forth and kind of dealing with Stephanie's lack of self-esteem and, you know, her insurance of herself. And I didn't really like this as much. This was the comic that I went out. I went out and I, I, I waited for my comic shop to open to get this because I love Tim Drake. I love Stephanie Brown. And Cassandra Kane is like arguably my favorite character in the world. I love cast, so like obviously I gotta see how they did this. And I kinda went into it with like a bit of trepidation because cast hasn't historically been written well and or at least consistently for a while. And unfortunately in that respect I wasn't disappointed. Um even though I was. Like it's it's basically my, my main point is this. The last time we saw Stephanie, we saw her smiling and, you know, shucking and jiving and like she was very very happy with her life. And in this story, with the added context that she hasn't been Batgirl for a year because of plot reasons, and bringing her back as Batgirl, she's really depressed and not thinking that she's going to be good, and basically she's kind of mopey. That's a real gear shift that we weren't, if I can speak for fans of Stephanie, we weren't really wanting to read. We wanted to see Stephanie Brown as Batgirl again. That's not why we like the character, because she's sad and, you know, whatever. We like her because she's very energetic and she likes being Batgirl. So I think that, like, DC really does not get why we like certain characters. Um, there's a freaking bizarre scene in the middle where she and Cassandra get into an argument over eating a gerbil that they've raised. Yeah. And <laughs> that kind of like, I, I had to spend the rest of the day shaking that off, how much that really disturbed me, because for one thing, it's just weird on, on the face of it. And although, you know, they've implied that Cass and Stephanie kind of been rooming together, which is awesome, like, they get kind of like, 
the, the tension is really palpable to where like they, they almost aren't getting the fight. And that's not really what I wanted to see. And plus, this is on the face of it. Cassandra's voice is just kind of wrong. I know this is a fanboy thing to say, but I'm going to say it. Like, this, the first half of the book, she's a really articulate and that kind of goes away after, after a while. But like, it's just, I, I saw an interview where, where uh, the writer, Alicia Quitney, said that like she kind of saw Cass as like kind of a, being a Mr. Spock kind of character. And that's just, that's just not, that's just wrong. That's just not how she is. I mean, just because she can't speak a lot doesn't mean that she is Mr. Spock. So I thought that like, again, it's a lot like, Ron Mars and um, Larry Hama trying to, you know, make a three-pointer and trying to get the characters right and without really knowing the characters. And here, the gamble just didn't pay off. I don't know if I really blame Quitney for it because, in fairness, there's not a lot, of, a lot of material recently to get the characters in the first place. But it just still didn't feel right. And the book was just too negative, in my opinion, to, to really be about these characters. And it just wasn't pleasant for me to see. Um, I, I love these characters, so I like seeing them again. But that was kind of hampered by the fact that when I saw them, they were not in a great position. So uh, as my review uh, reveals, I give it a two and a half out of five. I like Donovan, also like Cass Kane quite a bit. And yeah. was really disappointed by what we saw here, to be honest with you. Especially now that we have, and this is going to sound like the biggest cop out of all time, but if now that we have Stephanie Brown back in the the post-Flashpoint universe... Um, God. I really wish this had been more about Cass. I mean, cause Cass still isn't back, you know? Um, we've got Stephanie back, and so we'll, we'll have a lot of exploration with her character, one would assume, moving forward. Um, so I, I wish this was more about Cass, personally. Well, the thing is, like, just really quickly, that, like, I, I, like Superman, I, I don't, I don't think that, like, there's anybody in the company who just know or care about the character, which is the same because they spent so much time investing interest in the character and gain, gaining a fan, a fandom. So, like, when people say we want to see Cassandra came back, they don't know how to do that, I feel. And I think the obvious thing would be, oh, I don't know, read the comic that you produced. But I think that it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a fact of they don't know about the character to, to really put her out there. I mean, in fairness, though, I really liked her in Gates of Gotham. So just, just put her on Snyder and uh, Kyle Higgins. Make, make Kyle Higgins write a comic for her. Yeah. But that's, that's all my well, reading. Pointed thing about Cassandra in this book, which I thought, you know, yeah, maybe, it, maybe when we first met her, she didn't know how, but being taught how to read, like, that's, that's the, the takeaway that you come with Cass in this book. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that part. Well, that, 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 that's actually, I thought, I did like that because that is, she is illiterate, and even though they kind of <laughs> retconned that in a, uh, Robin's title, they, they kind of retconned it. Let's not get into it. But like, uh, I, I, I will admit, I do like that, especially the fact that Stephanie was trying to teach her how to read. I mean, at least, you know, reading, it's not like she doesn't know how to read C-Spot Run, but, you know, reading more on a more, on a more intelligent level. So I did, I did like that. That was at least an attention to detail, but that was a factual thing that you can just read on, find out on Wikipedia. It's more of like how you feel of the characters, essentially, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is Harley Quinn number one, or as it could also be known if you read the title, Gotham City Sirens number one. Um, this was my favorite Convergence book of the week, by the way. Um, this really did feel like I had just picked up a comic book from eight years ago out of the old Gotham City Sirens one run. Not that that was the best run comic book in the history of the world. Um, it's not okay. It was okay, and this... 
Harley Quinn was one of the characters that was changed dramatically when we went to the post Flashpoint universe. Oh yeah, um, including the, <laughs> you know I don't know how to put that. Including the, the costume change, this and Catwoman for that matter was was a character that was changed deeply. Uh, first with the and the Cinti run, which was something else, and then the current run, which I actually quite enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, but but Catwoman's character has changed a lot. This really felt like something from eight nine years ago. Um, and I really liked it. I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the movie A Beautiful Mind, but this felt like A Beautiful Mind with Harley Quinn. You know, with the ideas that when you see her, the delusions drawn out in the page and realize that she's never not going to be insane, but she's not going to let it control her life. And she's trying to trying to move forward. And you can see these scenes where she have all these delusions around her, but she's still trying to live a normal life. It's um, it's a very, very well done issue. Um, So this was my favorite one of the week. Uh, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Because yeah. I, I didn't read it. Um, now, the, uh, Harley Quinn's been a, a point of a lot of discussion after the New 52 and how different she is and, you know, yeah. you know how sexual she's been depicted and, and how violent she can be. Like, but I know that, like, you guys have been liking her title recently, like her ongoing title. Yeah. So, like, when you read this, does it I, – I, I can say reading these – except for Batgirl. Reading these books, they really did feel like the characters that I enjoy. I thought that Batman was written really well in here where I think that he's a bit too intense in the New 52. When you read Converse's Harley Quinn, does it feel like the Harley Quinn that, that you – that gave you a reason to like the character? Yes. Uh, and, 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 that, and that differentiates itself from the New 52 – Harley Quinn title, or is the or are they two comparable? No, this, this is, feels to me like the quintessential Harley Quinn, the one that we got even in the animated series. Uh. You know, uh, I find it interesting that you know the dome has made anybody who not not only not have anybody who has powers not have powers, but it seems like the dome itself was also, uh, you know, quintessential and, and Harley Quinn not being crazy. Because uh, it was said in the book by her cop boyfriend that her drugs had run out a long time ago that were making her sane. So she had been doing this all on her own. And then once the dome fell and Poison Ivy uh, injected her with whatever she injected her in, that's when she went nuts. Yeah, this really did feel like something more of a – just like a classic Harley Quinn character. Now, the uh, the Palmiati and Grey run has been very good. Right. Um, but this is, this feels like pre new 52 Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Poison Ivy. It really, and it, that's one, Don, if you ever get a chance to grab it and read it, you should. It's good. It really is. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard really great things. Yeah. It's one of the better ones. Uh, and so if, if you could read anything and you're listening to this comic cast, and you haven't read Convergence yet. This is the one title I would highly recommend you go get. And the art is actually quite good in this. Uh, the next one is Convergence, the question number one. Yeah. yeah, I love this one. I this, love this one. <laughs> this is the best one that I read. All right, Don, what did you, what, Don, we'll start with you. What was your, you, I've heard that a lot of people really like this one. Um, I was never a huge Renee Montoya fan, never anything against her, but it sounds like you guys really enjoyed it. Don, what did you think about the question? Well, I mean, I, I, I like Renee. I, I really do. I, uh, I, it's taken me years, but I, I, like, a few years ago, I only got into uh, Jotham Central, and I was like, she started the animated series. But I'm not like especially like, you know, a Renee Montoya fanboy. That being said, on a pure writing craft level, this is Greg Rucka, and Greg Rucka is one of the greatest Batman writers that we've ever had. So, I don't know Batman's not in this, but he comes back to Renee Montoya, which he worked on with Gotham Central. And as if you've read that, you know that Renee Montoya and Two Face have a particularly inter- interesting relationship. Hmm. And I like that she was the question. So again, she's another character like Cass, like Steph, like Wally West that we've not had in the New Fifty Two. So it was a combination with that. Right there, it's cool. You're bringing back these characters and this writer. 
and the the natural result that you would hope for is that it's good. This was just really good. I mean, like again, it's not it wasn't even my, my most anticipated comic, but I read it because I was so excited for the event. And it's just I mean, uh, I don't want to get into it too much because I want people to read it, but you know, we see the Helena Bertinelli Huntress. Uh, we see at the end, uh, he came Batwoman, who's also in the New 52, I know. But like, it was, this was just, I, the way, the way, the way it's been done, Two-Face's mindset. I mean, I love how he's written Two-Face. And it, it's just a combination of it's cool to see these characters again. And on a writing, on a writing level, this was top notch. And I, I know I, I didn't really actually say anything, but I just, I'm trying to be effusive with my praise because, Seriously, this was awesome. This is the best. Five out of five batterings. I actually talked to De- to Greg Rucka at Emerald City Comic Con because I live in Seattle. And he's just one of the most down-to-earth dudes I've ever spoke to. And, you know, I, I, he wouldn't tell me anything that was coming up for uh, Convergence. But, uh, you know, he, he, one, he was, really, he was really fun to talk to. And then reading this book, I understand why he was so excited about it. Because uh, if you go back to uh, No Man's Land, even uh, during the No Man's Land, one of the best relationships that was formed out of it was the Harvey Dent, Renee Montoya relationship. And this book catches that so well. And, uh, you know, just a little speculation on what might happen next. What if there's no har- other Harvey Dent at all? And uh, Harvey Dent in this book is just getting a little excited about things and they have to talk them down from that. That's where I think this is going. I love this book as well. I give it a five out of five as well. Well, if you are a fan of the question, it sounds like we know what book you should be reading. And it was reviewed on TBU and Jim gave it three and a half stars. Uh, the next, yeah. Well, talk to Jim. The next one is Convergence Catwoman. Number one. Did you guys happen to check this one out? Uh, actually, yes, I did. Uh, Catwoman, the, the 90s Catwoman was, uh, in Metropolis, and, uh, she is apparently gonna be running up against the, uh, the, uh, Kingdom Come Batman, and it, it was good, oh. it wasn't great. Uh, I am a big fan of Kingdom Come, so I am very curious to see where this one is gonna go, but I'm in the same boat as Josh Paul. It was also reviewed by Gary on the website, who gave it three stars. And the last Convergence title was Convergence Suicide Squad Number One. Anybody, what do you guys think about that one? It, it was it seemed like a run of a mill Suicide Squad story to me. I mean, once again, we have uh, you know another uh, top tier team you know running up against uh, perhaps some you know less than top tier characters, but that's just my opinion. Yes, and uh, this one was given two and a half stars by Gary and features the return of the previous incarnation of Amanda Waller. Well, I will say that, like, like just as, as a plug, right now Stella's going over Suicide Squad because that's the first few appearances of Batgirl. And what he meant to say was Oracle. So if you're interested in this conversion title, you might want to check out Batgirl Oracle for covers of the Suicide Squad. And if you're not interested in Suicide Squad, you should still check out Batgirl Oracle because it's a wonderful You really podcast. should. You really should. If you're listening to this and you're not listening, and you might be listening to this going, where's Stella? Where, where is she this month? Well, I'm still here, Stella Gould. So that is all of our spotlight books for this month. Again, we had a lot of spotlights this month, uh, this two weeks, I should say, with Convergence. Um, but now we're... And yet we're still only an hour ahead and not, and not three hours. I know, we're waiting. Well, we only did two two big reviews this time. Oh, that's true. Um so with that, we're going to take a look at our questions and comments submitted on the website. 
hear the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! We have one from Mitsupik, who has been a bit of a nemesis for us on the comic cast recently, and we will get back to yours when the regular crew, including Stella, comes back in a couple of months. The only other one we had this time was from Jonathan Ross. I'm a big fan of your show on, on, on BBC. So thanks for, yeah, thanks, thanks for watching. He says, first time listener. I delve back into Batman and Batman Internal after having only been a casual fan. I tuned, tuned into several other podcasts looking to dive deeper into the material and was disappointed until I found your site. Great cast. Well, Mr. Ross, thank you and Phil's Please feel free to have us on your talk show sometime to talk about the site. I'm sure Dustin would love that. Um, so that is basically all we've got for this week. This, these are going to be shorter casts, we believe, although next week we will also be featuring the end of Batman number 40 will be released with the end of the Endgame uh, storyline, which could cause this to go for an extended period of time. Uh, as always, I want to thank everyone for checking us out and listening. Um, please make sure you go over to the website so you can see the best of comic reviews, editorials, and everything else we have to offer over there. Also, if you get a chance, please go on iTunes and rate the podcast if you can. Also, if you get a chance, join the Facebook discussion group where you can talk to all kinds of other Bat fans about everything related to the Batman universe. For this episode, I am your fill-in host, Ed. I am your fill-in Stella, Don. And I'm your other, other fill-in host, Josh Paul. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Comic Cast. Be sure to leave your comments on whether or not you enjoyed my editor's notes as well as comments on the individual episode over on the website. Also, if you are interested in becoming staff for the site, we are still looking for news writers as well as comic book reviewers. Come June, we have new directions and new series of tons of books, and we'd love to have anybody who's interested in reviewing any of those titles get in touch with us as soon as possible. So with that, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Oh,